This is Will Ford from Football 365, and you're listening to At the Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. What's up, everyone? You're listening to At the Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. Today, we're going to be looking back at our victory in the FA Cup against Leicester City, as well as that agonising defeat against local rivals West Ham. And this week's topic, we're going to be talking all about how to solve our centre-back dilemma. Now, here are your hosts all the way from the UK, Mikey Berth and Chris. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me today is, of course, Redditch FC's player of the season, Berth, and his manager, Chris. I'd ask how you are, but after the recent result, it may not be a positive response. I don't know. After that introduction, I think that's a very good... Uh, I'm pretty happy about that, to be honest. So can we introduce me uh, is that every single episode from now on, please? I'd, I'd love that. Depends. If you keep your form on next season, if you get a next season, who knows what's going on when the uh, next season uh, starts. I'm, I'm not the person to ask. Chris is the person to ask. <laughs> well, we might... We, hopefully, we'll get to play this year, but who knows? Yeah, that, this this is the awkward moment where it is now, we're now in July and the uh, retain list, Berth is not on it for the coming season. <laughs> I've been released, I've been released, that's what it is. My contract are now July 30th, uh, June 30th even, and I've just, yeah, I'm gone now. I'm out the door. <laughs> He's off. I'm out the door. Uh, right, well with that, let, let's head into the newsroom and see what the latest goings on are at Stamford Bridge. News. Well, we got Chelsea drew Manchester United in the FA Cup. That that's a. Gr- I'm sure we all were like, yeah. I, I was hoping for um, a London and Manchester derby for the semi-finals, but we didn't get it. Uh, we got Manchester United. How, how are our thoughts on the uh, our good old rivals this year? Yeah, it's probably the last team I wanted to face. To be honest, um, it seemingly can't beat them this season, but our looks got to be in at some point. So I'm feeling confident. Hopefully we can get a win and hopefully we can get some silverware. Hopefully. You, you, I mean, we've played them three times. We lost 2-1 in the EFL Cup, round of 16. We lost 4-0 at Old Trafford on the opening day and then uh, lost 2-0 in a pub. Uh, that's our memory of it anyway. Uh, no no drinks were down that night, but they could have been. But uh, no drinks at all, which is a shame because 2-0 and laughing fans. But what do you think, Chris? FA Cup, do you think it's going to be different this time around? Uh... Well, I'd have thought so. I'd hope that Lampard has got a better plan for dealing with their counter-attack this time. Because let's yeah. say, their main asset is counter-attack. And both, well, all three times, really, that we've played in this year, we've allowed them to counter-attack on us too easy, as we do with most teams. So I think if we can stop the counter-attack, I think we can beat them, yeah. Yeah, I think the problem with the most recent game, obviously back in February, we, we had one shot on target, but we had 60% possession, but we did nothing with it. You can only, you know, we had the the goals that were ruled off for offside for VAR related reasons. But, you know, when you have possession, it's all right having possession, but you need to do something with it. And we just didn't seem to. And, you know, conceding to goals from Martial and Maguire, you know, and that was when we had fans in the stadium as well. You think, you know what, we need to we need to do better here. And Man United are in good form. We've seen that. We do need to sort of showcase that we've improved. I mean, the fourth time this season we're going to face them. It doesn't happen often when you play a team that many times in one season. You can't have it be four and oh. You know, this is what, and you get to a final as well to potentially play um, Man City or forgot who they are. That's really embarrassing. So, someone help me out here. Who is it? Who Arsenal. They got? 
Arsenal, there we go. Of course, London Derby. I forget Arsenal because they've not been great. They they were, might won against Norwich, but yeah, yeah, that's not Norwich are going down. But yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. It's going to be a fun game. Hopefully, we uh, we uh, get to that final at Wembley and wear our great 50th anniversary kit. Talking of kits, we have a brand new jersey, and I personally love the thing. I think it's absolutely stunning, and we've had some tetchy feelings towards Nike with kits over the years, but. Uh, yeah, the 2020-21 kit for the next campaign has been revealed. What are your thoughts? And is that number three as bad as we expected? You know what? I don't actually mind the number three. I think it would have looked better if they actually had the word on it. But I, I don't mind it. I think it's a very basic kit. Nike seemingly have perfected the basic kits over the past three, four years. I like the trim. I think the black trim is very smart. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I, I quite like it. When I first saw it, I was like, mm, I don't know, but it's growing on me. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll grow on me more and more. So I, I quite like it at the minute, yeah. Yeah, Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I quite like it. It's quite simple, but simple with a twist, I would say. Like, they've, they've got the sort of little chevron design on there. The number three, I agree with Berth. I think the, the word would have looked better, but it doesn't yeah. look as bad as I thought it was going to. Maybe I would have made it slightly smaller. Mm. Yeah, I can see. You I think it's awkward because you do think of like international kits when you've got the number on the front. But yeah, I, I, I think most fans agree that the word three would have been better. But because obviously when you think three mobile, you think of that logo. And it's all, the whole reason they have a sponsorship is to get their brand out there. I know we already know of them, but yeah. And three is that's their logo. So you have to sort of suck it and just accept that's what it is. But it is. It's really nice. And I like the fact that it's a, a proper just a. A circle color and it's not that weird v-neck that we had this season I, I yeah i don't know it for me maybe it's just because i need to pack on more muscle but my uh home kit this year it just seems to be showing my it sits on my collarbones too much i'm like i don't know it's not my but uh, whatever you know hopefully everyone will be wearing it in the new season bar pedro because obviously hazard did wear it last last season when it was our uh we were debuting it and he didn't stay but Sad times. We have, we're still waiting on the away in the third kit. It's not the Crystal Palace kit. I'm pretty sure from all the sources that have told me it's, it's that is not real. But if I'm proven wrong, then damn it. But I believe that it isn't real. So people don't need to start worrying about that. Though if it was real, that is horrendous because it'd be like having a yeah West Ham kit for our away kit. But we'll get but on you to know that what? team. You know what? If that kit was yellow and blue, that Crystal Palace kit, if that was yellow and blue, that would look very nice. I think that'd yeah. be much better. I, I like the I miss the high vis days. I know people were like you take it or leave it, but I thought they looked really cool. They were just so ridiculous that you know. I know it's one of the apparently it's considered one of the worst ever kits in the Premier League era, but I, I loved it. I think it was from two thousand seven eight. Is it the yellow? What like the blue? Yeah, yeah, proper yellow. I thought it was ridiculous. So ridiculous. I was like, I'm I'm all in for this. <laughs> I don't know if I liked it. I still all these years later, I'm not sure if I like it or not. I don't know. Uh, I mean, when I, I don't know about Chris's thoughts on this, but when I think of yellow kits, I think of the Newcastle United kit from just before the 2010 season that was there for Baker. It was just yellow and like lighter yellow stripe. I don't know if you remember it. No, I don't actually. I don't, I don't remember that either. What kit was oh, it? It was from 09 10. It was, it was something. It looked so, so bad. It was like beige and beige. It was just, uh, honestly, if you haven't seen it, people who are listening, Give it a look up because it is it is dreadful. It really is. So yeah, that that we're going to be leaving the uh, the good old newsroom and oh no, we're not. We're not leaving it. Of course we're not. We're going to be looking at the game reviews, aren't we? We've got Leicester. We're going to go to the positives before we go straight into the negatives. But 
Leicester. Uh, for me, fantastic result, psychologically as well, at the time we thought. But um, yeah, what were your thoughts in, in general on that Leicester game? Whoever wants to jump in, have a go. Um, we'll just sort of spin off from there, really. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. I thought the first half was very, very poor. I thought he was really sloppy in possession. Um, Gilmore, unfortunately, didn't look very good. Reese James, again, looked very rusty. But that's expected. It's a weird time. People are still getting their sharpness back. And they're also still very young. So you expect that. But I thought we just we didn't get any momentum in that first half. And I think Lampard, give credit to him, he made some really good changes, changed the shape. And in the second half, he was much better. Looked like he was more of a threat going forward. Barkley, I thought, took his goal very, very well. I just wish with Ross Barkley, there's a few times that his decision-making just lets him down so much. And his, his final ball really... It's so frustrating because you know he's got in him to put a quality ball in or have a really good shot, but sometimes it just lets him down. And that's unfortunately why he'll never be a world-class player in my eyes. Oh, fair enough. I mean, for Mr. Leg Day himself, I thought he had a, he had a top game. He had some good, some bad, but overall it was a pretty decent performance. Don't, him, don't but... get me wrong, he played well. And, and you know what? He has been good recently. I do like Ross Bark. He's a good, solid player, but I just think he'll never quite get to that height that his potential should be because of his inconsistencies and because of his final products and in his decision making really I don't know how Chris feels about him but that's my my opinion anyway yeah I agree about Barkley um, there was a few times wasn't there on the counter attack where we should have finished the game off and he made the wrong choice I remember the one where he played the pass to Pedro but he under hit it yeah and it was like three on one when really you, you've got to, you've got to find that pass there and finish the game but that's been our trouble all season hasn't it not killing games off Mm. Uh, in terms of the Leicester game as a whole I thought that first half was possibly the worst game of professional football I've ever seen <laughs> from both teams because Leicester was as bad as us the amount yeah, of time agreed. the ball was given away was incredible but then credit to Lampard he's changed at half time changed the game second half we dominated and should have won comfortably in the end yeah I thought that opening 10 minutes was just quite quite on edge I mean I think, was it within 30 seconds we gave the ball away? Gilmore did. He, just, he had such an unlucky bad game. And yeah. I think Perez was in on goal. And you're thinking, it was it was one of those moments, you're, just, you're looking away because you're thinking 30 seconds in, not much happens 30 seconds into a game. And you're already seeing a Leicester attack. You're like, whoa, what, what's happened here? You know, I mean, I tweeted out before the game, I thought Billy Gilmore's going to have a game. He had a game, not the way I expected him to have a game, but he had a game. It's such a shame as well, because he's a young lad and, you know, we've been, We've been bigging him up for ages. We we love him. We we want him to see him do well. But it just just wasn't his day, unfortunately. It really wasn't. I mean, for someone who whose day it was, Pulisic, man of the match for me. Incredible performance from that guy. And he's showing why we put the investment into him. We did obviously a year ago. I mean, we were we beat off Liverpool to sign this guy, and yeah, it was unfairly put on him that he would be the Hazard replacement. But I tell you what, he might not be Hazard levels yet. But he's certainly shown the potential that he could become that Hazard catalyst player that can change a game in a blink of an eye. I mean, what were your thoughts on that? Well, in my opinion, man of the match performance. Chris, I'll let you go first on this one. Yeah, I think I'm, I agree with you, Mikey. He is the most Hazard-esque player I've seen in a long time. The way he moves and the positions he takes up, he's always drifting in off the left-hand side and he takes up incredible positions. But then he just glides past people like they're not even there. He he is our best player at the moment, without a doubt. Yeah, you know, I, I totally agree with that. I think the way he moves across the pitch, it, the way he just turns direction, like 
in in an instance is it's ridiculous really and you know what he's so so quick over the ground i think he, he potentially is quicker than hazard over like five yards he's blistering blistering pace it's ridiculous and you know what he's it's so hard to defend against because you don't know which way he's going to go. He's a clever player as well. Every pass that he's playing into people is perfect. You know, his weight of pass is brilliant. His end product is brilliant. And he just looks so scarily good at the moment. I mean, he really is going to be some player for us. And he's only... I think he's... Go on. For someone of his age, he seems to be a leader as well. I know we're going to come on to West Ham in a minute, but in that game... There was a 20-minute spell in the second half where he just got hold of the game and tried to drive us forward to win it. And from someone who's 20, 21, whatever he is, I think it's 21. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Gary Neville, Gary Neville even said that on commentary that Chelsea just needs to get it to Pudisic because he was running the show and he really was. He was going in and out. The defenders didn't know which way he was going. He was unplayable against West Ham. And yeah. I think in that second half against Leicester, I thought he was unplayable. He should have had a goal. But Castus Michael pulled off a great save. But yeah, incredible player and deservedly man of the match against Leicester. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's such a, I mean, he's such a grounded guy. I mean, we spoke obviously before Chris came on to the, and joined us on the team when we signed him. Uh, Berth and I were talking about him in the summer, and he's got such good humble background and beginnings, and he's such a nice guy and a community based guy. So to see him be a leader as well, I mean, this guy is. He, he, he could be, we've had so much talk of toxicity in our dressing room. And finally, with a manager like Lampard, that seems to be disappearing. And thank, thank the heavens for that. But Pulisic is definitely the perfect guy to sort of take over that, that leadership role, potentially. I mean, we don't know what's going on with Jorginho going forward. He hasn't been playing recently, so that could always be, that's always an interesting one. And obviously, he's our vice captain, so we'll have to see. Talking of captains, Azpilicueta, he put in another top shift in that second half. He's shown he's still a good player. Zuma as well. I think Zuma put his name into the mind of Lampard to start more often. Obviously, he didn't against West Ham, which we'll come on to. But yeah, Lampard and Aspilicueta, I think both of them top performances, weren't they really? Yeah, very solid. I thought Zuma was really, really good. But I think why Zuma looked so good was because he stick to his strengths. He, you know, he's not the best on the ball. He's, he really isn't. He looks quite awkward on the ball, but he got his blocks in. He timed his tackles really well. You know, he read the game well won everything in the year. It was a very solid commanding performance from Zuma. I think that's what he is. He's a commanding centre-back. And for me, I, I thought he should have started against West Ham with his height and physicality. But, you know, obviously Lampard decided differently. You know, things happened. But for me, Zuma was top-notch. And as for the quitter, again, another 7 out of 10 for him. Fantastic game against Leicester. Solid. Really good. Yeah, I think as for the quitter, I think some, some people started writing him off and was thinking next year... Reese James will definitely be our starting right back and as will have to play like a backup role. With the way it's going at the minute, I can see James still being back up to Aspi next year because Reese James at the minute just doesn't look sharp enough or developed enough to be a starting right back in a team that next year, I'm, I'm assuming, will be hoping to close that gap on Liverpool and City. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, we'll end it before we go into the West Ham game. Frank Lampard, is he getting these subs so right or is he just picking the wrong 11? <laughs> I think with the rest of the game, so many games like in a row, like every two days, I think he had to change it. And I think he had to get some players into the team to get their sharpness up. You know, like Reese James had to get his sharpness up. Billy Gilmore had to get his sharpness up. Same as, same as Tammy. I think Tammy needed to get that edge back. But, you know... <laughs> 
it weren't working. That, it's as simple as that. In the first half, it just didn't work. And Lampard, I think, you know, throughout the whole season, has made really, really good substitutions. And he did again against Leicester. So, you know, fair play to him. Yeah, yeah I think he, he's maybe... I think he maybe trusts everyone in the squad to a point now where he thinks anyone can start. I actually, when I seen the team sheet, I didn't mind the team that he put out. So mm. I would say at the minute he's just getting the, sub, the subs right. I thought he got the team wrong against West Ham. But aside from that, I think the rest of the season, I, he hasn't put out a team and I've looked at it and thought, no, I wouldn't agree with that. But most of the time he's got his spot on. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll go on to the we'll, we'll try and keep this next one short, but because we're going to be probably annoyed by it. But West Ham United, they've done the double over us. I, I mentioned in the group chat a few days ago. Well, I think it was a week ago about when they went down the last time. It's about just over eighteen years ago, when they had Joe Cole and Canute and Defoe and so many other top names in their side. And I feel really old saying that they did the double over us. Uh, they've done it again. I, I think we gifted them that win. I mean, the set piece defending was embarrassing. Our defensive problems were clearly shown. I, I, I don't know what more to say. I mean, I, that VAR decision, I felt sorry for them. When it went in, I thought they're going to rule this out. I was chuffed, but I thought, that's ridiculous. I mean, Antonio's offside. Well, yeah, he is by the letter of the law. But, uh, I mean, just just let's just dive in and just let's just say how we feel. What, 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 who wants to get it off their chest? Uh, I'll go first, because I, I can feel myself to get more and more annoyed just thinking about it. So I'll, I'll get my rants over, then Chris can rant. Um, Sorry about the language, but I've never been more pissed off in all my life losing a game. I mean, it was it was so frustrating to watch. From the first corner they got, you saw Aspilicueta marking Suchek, who's six foot four. Straight away, straight away, that is a red flag. You do not have Aspilicueta marking a six foot four bloke. I don't care how good he is in the air, you just don't have that happen. Give him to Rudia, give him to um, Christensen, give him to Tammy Abraham, who's also six foot four. You do not let that happen. And then for them to make the same mistake twice. In literally the matter of 10 minutes, twice that happened, the, their goal, their first goal that got disallowed should have stood. I mean, I, I think it's ridiculously harsh on Antonio. You know, I, I even felt bad for West Ham considering that they, that got chalked off. Um, yeah. And then we score, you know, Pulisic, fantastic bit of play. William, brilliant, great penalty. Second half comes, what happens? I mean, Alonso, the, the defence is all over the place. I mean, there's just no organisation. Christensen, getting drawn out by Antonio, Rudiger not winning the second ball. And then for that ball to come into the box so easily, Alonso nowhere near the winger. It's just frustrating to watch. And again, same again, Pulisic given the ball and he makes something happen. Willian scores a great free kick. And you think, yeah, we can win this here. But then the naivety and the just outright lack of leadership is ridiculous. Five, ten minutes left and it's like two against one and it, Somehow they get the ball and they counter and then Alonso's dragging back and Christensen's out of position again. And I mean, Antonio, Mick Antonio, fair play to him. He ran our defence absolutely ragged and that should not be happening. Antonio's a good player, a great player, but there is no way that Christensen and Rudiger should get run ragged by him. No way. And then Yarmolenko, he's clearly left-footed. Rudiger should know that. And what happens? What happens? He shows him onto his left foot and goal. What what more can you say about that? And as for our keeper, £75 million, he's, he's not proven it. He really has not proven himself in this league. And I don't think he is good enough, to be honest. I really don't think he is. I'd rather Dean Henderson. I'd rather Ariola, I'd rather Onana. Kepa is absolutely not the answer to our problems. It's a terrible performance, start to finish. The only players that can hold their heads up high 
is William and Pulisic, and that's it. Rant over. There we go. There we go. So, so Chris, uh, I feel like we've got our own Roy Keane here. I'm loving it. I'm sure the listeners are loving it. Chris, what are your thoughts on uh, Berth's thoughts on that? <laughs> well, to be fair, Berth, you've summed it up perfectly. So, the first goal, like you said, set piece, we've had the same problem all season. And I think I said to you guys in the week as well that Lampard had the same problem at Derby and didn't manage to solve it. So, I think he needs to spend a long time this summer working on defending set pieces because it's two years now of his management but that his teams have struggled from set pieces. So he needs to sort that out quickly. Otherwise, we're not winning anything if you keep defending set pieces the way we do. Uh, second goal, main, main mistake in that is the fact that Christensen jumps over Antonio and then doesn't look at him again and then doesn't cover the space, the dangerous space either. He just stands on the penalty spot, stands completely still, watches the ball roll past him and Antonio tap it in. But, I mean, Christensen did that against Villa as well. So he is well known for having a lack of concentration inside the penalty area. The third goal, I was sat watching the game with my wife and she doesn't watch that much football anymore. And she's turned to me 10 minutes before that goal and said, you'll lose this because you keep getting done out. Boy. I mean, if she can see it, how no one on the pitch, like Lampard maybe can take some responsibility and perhaps should set the team up better in those moments because we've lost a lot of games similar to that where we've allowed teams to counter-attack on us late on when we've been trying to win. But someone on the pitch has got to take responsibility. But you and know I what? Think... You know what? Sorry to interrupt, but this this isn't like a Lampard thing. I saw a goal last year that Sarri conceded. Well, it's not Sarri yeah. conceded, but a Sarri team conceded against Wolves. You know, it happened under Conte. It's happened for a while now and something is not quite right in that midfield and defence balance of the team. I, I don't know what it is, but something needs to change in that area. And you, you can say it's Kante, Jorginho, Kovacic, one of them. I, I don't know, but something is just not quite right. When we get countered, we just haven't been able to deal with it for a long, long time now. Yeah, right. that's fair. It's fair. Yeah, I mean... I think the main mistake in that third goal, which I don't think a lot of people have picked up on, the main person who made a mistake for that goal was N'Golo Kante. N'Golo Kante is playing now as a defensive midfielder as the point of a diamond in midfield. So if he's if he's meant to be sitting in front of that back four, why is he, with minutes of the game to go, trying to win a header on the edge of their penalty area? All game, he was caught wrong side of the ball. I love Kante and he has the pace to recover, but this is why... I don't think N'Golo Kante is a defensive midfielder. His attributes are defensive, but there is a reason why no manager has ever played him as a holding player in a midfield three. Lampard didn't do it earlier in the season. He had Jorginho doing it. Savi didn't do it. Uh, Conte, he played in a midfield two. At Leicester, he played in a midfield two. He's never played as that person who sits in front of the back four because he gets attracted to the ball too much. He goes and wins the ball high up the pitch, which is fine if he wins it, but if he doesn't, there's such a gap between our midfield and our defence that it allowed Antonio to keep taking Christensen into midfield, who should foul him. So it's a mistake from Christensen as well, because on the winning goal, Christensen should be tighter and just foul Antonio and we'll take the draw. And then Rudiger shouldn't allow him inside. I actually think Rudiger should step up and play offside, but... I think it just showed that third goal for West Ham showed all our defensive problems in one bit of play. Christensen, not strong enough, got attracted to the ball, then didn't win it. 
Rudiger didn't know whether to step up and play offside, then didn't know what footed his man was. And as Filiqueta and Alonso aren't quick enough to play the way modern fullbacks need to, they, they, if they get up the pitch, they haven't got recovery pace to get back. Alonso was jogging and that's unforgivable, but he's not quick anyway. Alonso could have ran flat out and he still wouldn't have caught Yarmolenko because he's not fast enough. I th- I th- you're all making some interesting and strong points. I, th- I mean, so can I just interrupt again? Sorry about this. Yeah, go ahead. I think the Kante thing, I, I do agree that he, he's caught up upfield and, and he shouldn't have. But I think he was exposed before when Jorginho was sitting on his own in midfield. Yeah, I don't think he's got one. I think that's the problem. I don't think we have a natural holding player. Yeah, and, and this is my point before. That I just It seems as if that we have to play one holding midfielder like this would never have happened when Matic and Kante first started with each other under Kante. It didn't happen. In the season after, when you know you just had Kante and Fabregas for the most part, it did happen quite a lot. But when Kante yeah. and Matic were there, it didn't happen. We never got caught out. And because before that, under Mourinho's teams, it, it didn't happen. And it, ever since sort of like that second season of Kante, it, it just seems as if we get counted so much and we just don't have answers for it. We can't seemingly stop a counter-attack. And I don't know why it is. I mean, I'm sure Lampard wants to get to the bottom of it. I'm sure he doesn't want us to be countered, but it's happening loads and loads and something has to change or we need to change sort of the way we play because we are so open at the moment on the counter that we'll, just, we'll get ripped apart by Man United if we play like we did against West Ham. Yeah, yeah, there is that. I mean, we've, we've talked about this for end of days about set-piece defence, you know, nothing scares me more on a set-piece. You know, I break out into a cold sweat now. It's, uh, it's not a good condition to have when uh, Chelsea consider set piece. It's just off. And, you know, one thing that I remember from that game is Rudiger, he has the ball and he kicks the ball out for a corner. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't quite know what he was doing. I thought, oh, and no, he's not under too much pressure at corner. Oh, why'd you do that? I mean, it's so difficult. I mean, on top of that, for me, we're going to discuss centre-back problems in a minute, but... Kepler, I think Kepler's reached the end of the road. I mean, there's, I've been reading how true these stories are, I don't know. But on social media that uh, Lampard's not interested in Kepler as our goalkeeper. He's not good enough to wear the Chelsea badge has been thrown around. Bad mentality and a poor quality. Well, we saw last season, for me, last season when it was the Carling, Carling Cup, Caribou Cup final, and he did what he did. I didn't believe he was saying he wasn't injured. I believe he, he didn't want to come off. And I think that alone just sort of showed it just shows you sometimes you just have to accept you've been subbed, just get off the field, get on with it. And I think the attitude has shown there. And I think, I don't think he's a quality goalkeeper for the league. And there's been names mentioned today. There's PSG's Ariola, uh, Mike Magnan as well, who I personally really like and vouched for him really early on in this year. So yeah, I think in a new goalkeeper, we should invest that potential Havertz money in defence and in our new goalkeeper. So yeah, overall, really disappointing result. We could have gone third. We haven't. It's opened it up a bit more for Wolves and Man United to potentially catch ourselves as well as Leicester. We'll find out at the end of the month because obviously the season is going to be ramp, ramping up, finishing this month. So fingers crossed we're going to be in that top four. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. So last week we discussed who could solve our left-back problem. Now, since the restart, our centre-back pairing is still not set in stone. Currently, we have the likes of Rudiger, Christensen, Zuma and Tomori on the books. We do have Tomori on the books still. He is still a Chelsea player. I know we haven't seen him in like forever. I don't know what, what's happened there. But many fans feel that it's just not a good enough defence in centre-back depth 
to be challenging for a title. So this week it made sense to look at potential targets that could improve that back line of our side and what could turn us into a title winning side once more. I mean, I've got seven names written down on a piece of paper. We're not going to go on too much. You know, you don't want to hear all this, but we'll get through them as quick as we can. We're going to maybe throw in our, our wildcard choices at the end, of which I have a couple. So there are a few routes I saw we could go down as a club. Do we sign the experienced professional, a younger defender who's ready to become the next big thing, or a youngster who has that potential to be that next Virgil van Dijk, Kaladu, Koulibaly, etc.? Well, first up, we do have indeed a player who Liverpool want to pair with, who I've mentioned van Dijk, if reports to believe, and that is Kaladu Koulibaly from Napoli. I mean, it seems like every big club in Europe has been linked with this guy for years. I mean, he's 29 now, but you get the feeling that all the speculation could finally be coming to a head this summer, and he'll be leaving the Serie A for a big sum. I mean, what are your thoughts, guys, on Koulibaly? Uh, Christian, will go first? Yeah, um, I like him. Uh, he's he's strong. He's commanding. He's powerful. He's quicker than he looks. Uh, I, I think the reason why he hasn't got a move yet is Napoli have priced him out of one. Uh, when we was interested in him, I don't know if it was last summer or maybe the summer before, and they were on about eighty, eighty-five million. I, I just I don't think he's worth that, especially at twenty-nine. Mm. Uh, if the fee was to come down to a more reasonable, I, I still think you're going to pay, and I'd be willing to pay up to fifty, maybe. But then, I do think, but Napoli, they, they have been good defensively over the years. They've had a poor season this season. But over the years, they've been decent and he he has been the leader of their defence. So he would definitely, he would definitely improve us. There's no doubt about that. A poor season? They won the Coppa Italia. <laughs> <laughs> League. <laughs> well, yeah, the league, it's not been great for Napoli. I mean, they've had obviously Gattuso come in, so yeah. I mean, what, what are you feeling on Koulibaly, Berth? Yeah, I think it's someone that I'd welcome at Chelsea. We're missing that explosive powerhouse for centre-back. I mentioned earlier that Zuma, I thought he'd have been perfect for West Ham because he's big, tall, you know, he wins everything in the air, big and strong. I think Koulibaly is better on the ball and more of a clever footballer than, than Zuma. I think Zuma can be quite rash at times, but I'd, I think Chris is right. I think he's almost been priced out of a move. I, I think I'd pay 50 million for him. Anything more for a 29-year-old, I think he's a bit expensive, but I think it'd be a very, very good addition to that Chelsea side. Very good. Yeah, I mean, Iska, you know, he. we need a good defender and we really do. Uh, there are a few better options than to turn to Koulibaly, but again, you know, He's got that power. He's, he's agile and he's quite, he's deceptively gifted with the ball at his feet, to be honest. But mm-hmm. he's going to cost a lot of money. We know he's going to cost a lot of money. Napoli, their owner, they don't let players leave cheap. It, you mm-hmm. know, is he affordable? It's difficult. Is it going to be like a, a Harry Maguire, Virgil van Dijk fee and you get over that line? I mean, the main concern is that he'll be, obviously, he's 29 now. Obviously, he turned 29 in June. You know, we don't usually offer anything more than a one-year contract to anyone over 30. So that's going to always be interesting. Will we spend that much money on a player of that age? No, it would be very out of character. I can't see it happening. You know, we need stability at the back. So that makes it slightly different. And spending big money at the back is probably a wise idea. But yeah, I, I can't see that happening this summer. I really can't. I don't think he's an option now because of how we work. Um, another one in the Serie A, staying there, we take a look at AC Milan's Alessio Romanoli. He's a top talent, yeah, absolute top talent, and he certainly has a lot more time left at the peak of his game. He's only 25. Uh, Milan, they've been in a state of constant transition ever since Romanoli arrived. I mean, as a, a fan of Milan, I, I'm glad to see how they fell from their days of having Shevchenko, Sadorf, 
Gattuso, so many names, so many legends of the game in that side. Uh, the Italian, you know, he survived it all, though. I mean, he wasn't there but when it was then, then names. But, you know, during this transition, you know, he hasn't gone anywhere. Do you feel this is a prime time for us to go for the Milan star or maybe not? Yeah, I think he is. Perfect time. He's a great age. Um, I think he's got a perfect blend of sort of. He's strong. He's very good on the ball. He's agile. I think he would really work well in the Premier League, to be honest. It's whether AC Milan will be willing to let him go. I'm not too sure he is one of their, their best players. So I, I don't know. I mean, they are signing Jeff Hendricks. So whether Roman Nolly would want to go now, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it'd be a very good buy. And I, I definitely think he's better than what we've got at the moment, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think that too. I think he's a good age. I think unlike the the, the issue with Koulibaly is his age, whereas Robin Nolly's that sort of age, which I think Lampard likes to work with. Mm, yeah. Uh, and he's sort of coming up to his sort of his best years. So I think he would be a more realistic target for us. Yeah, 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 it's fair. You know, there's, there's a, a load of reports and there's one I brought up particularly from... Nicholas, I can't remember, I'm not going to butcher his surname, but you know who the guy is. You know, it, coming out of Italy, he said, suggesting that Milan need to sell to fix their financial problems. They have really bad financial problems. Um, Donnarumma is one of those who could potentially go and Romanelli could be a feasible alternative. You know, he does sit, he sort of fits our younger vibe that we're going for at the moment. But, you know, he comes with 200 Serie A appearances. So he's, you know, he's got experience there. He's got a handful of international caps. Uh, it's a combination that Chelsea should, should really pass on. We should consider it strongly. I mean, and he's not going to be too, too expensive, hopefully. Um, another one, Nathan Aki, a former player. We let him go a few seasons ago to Bournemouth. Now, let's be honest, he's not the Premier League's best defender, but he definitely has something about him. He's linked to United and Man City. Could Nathan Aki return to the bridge be the perfect reunion? I personally wouldn't go for Nathan Ake now. I think we've got too many defenders that are very similar to him. I think Christensen, very similar. I think the only thing you could say about Ake is that he has got the ability to play at left-back, which could come in handy. But at the same time, <laughs> is he better than Christensen? No. Is he better than Zuma? No. Is he better than Tamori? Mm. <laughs> probably not. You know, Is he better than Rudiger? Again, probably on par, if not, probably not better than him. So you could say you won't improve our defence. It'll, it'll improve our defence in the fact that it's more depth, but it won't make it better. Yeah, I think that as well. My question marks over Ake and us signing him is I think we need a centre-back who's going to come in and lead our back four. And I don't think Ake is that. Like at international level, he plays with Van Dijk, who will take charge of that back four. And at Bournemouth, he probably is asked to lead their back four, but they are in the relegation zone. Would sign in a centre-back from the team who's most likely going to go down improve us that much? I don't think so. Well, I mean, you could yeah. say the same when Liverpool picked up Andrew Robertson from Hull and look at that guy. I mean, slightly different maybe because he's an attacking fullback, But, you know, he's got that top-flight experience, Nathan Aki, you know, and he also, he can play at left-back. So that's that's that might solve another of our problem positions, but he could fill two gaps in the squad. But, you know, we let our buyback clause expire in January. So it'd be a traditional transfer to get him. Um, I've wrote down that they're floating for relegation. I think they're going down, if I'm honest. I think this is Bournemouth's last season, their last hurrah. Agreed. And it would be a lot easier to sign a player who's just gone down than, especially with the current financial situation going on. 
But, you know, let's not act like his former attachment with the club isn't worth noting down. You know, he wouldn't need much time to adjust and fit in with the group. I think it'd be quick, quite quick. It's probably a simple option, one we could address. Um, Bundesliga, Germany, Deo Umabakano, a player everyone seems to be linked with right now, likes of City, Bayern and ourselves. Uh, it's this summer, those names and many more tell you exactly why Chelsea need to fight their way to the front of the queue if they want to sign Umabakano. You know, he's 21. He's proven himself as one of the best defenders in the Bundesliga with Leipzig. And we picked up a player from Leipzig recently who uh, could help convince him. Um, he's into the final year of his contract if he doesn't leave this summer. So that kind of ramps the whole thing up a notch. What are your thoughts on, on him? Do you, think this, do you think he is the man or not so? Chris, I'll let you go first. Uh, I think he is young and he has incredible potential. And I think if we was in a better place defensively, I definitely would have gone for him. But again, it's just where we are defensively, it's a lot to ask of someone who's still only potential, really, to come in and make us so much better defensively. He's, I think he would, he would benefit better from going somewhere where there's a good defensive structure around him. And I don't think coming to us at the minute would be the best move for him. For us, he would be good. But again, would he improve us massively in the short term? Probably not. Longer term, definitely, almost definitely. But mm. can we afford to wait another two seasons maybe until he hit that sort of level? I'm not sure whether we could. Yeah, I mean, Daily Mail is one of the thousands of outlets, it seems to say, that confirm he has a 55 million release clause. That seems affordable straight away in the current market. But I... I, I with his potential and the fact that he's got one year remaining on his contract, he's not going for 55 million. They're not going to keep him for that. They're going to sort of try and get maybe 35, 40, but he'd be an instant upgrade on any of our defenders, I think. And he would certainly cement his place. Probably Rudiger would probably make way, but it's a smart bit of business if we can do it. I mean, Berth, do you want to chime in before we move on? Yeah, no, I think it'd be a good acquisition to get. He's, he's still young. He's very quick, very agile for a very big guy. I mean, he's, I think a question mark is that he is quite rash at times, but I think that's because he's still quite young. But I think, you know, 50, 55 million would be a great price for him. But like Chris said, I do think we we did need an established world-class centre-back, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think that's probably, that's probably, I can see your point. I can see your point. Mm. So, finally, well, not finally, we, we, we've looked at the big name players, but what about those younger choices? You know, first up, it's it's Lille's Gabriel Magalhaes. Magalhaes? I'm not sure. But yeah, we'll call him Gabriel. This season, he's been, it's been his breakout year. It has. So that's instantly a risk because obviously he's only, he's only got 18 months of top flight football. So it's, you know, but so far he's justified the hype. Have you lads seen much of Gabriel? Is he worth a risk? I I haven't seen much of him, to be honest, but I think, again, with all young sort of players at the moment and with our defence, the state that it's in, would he improve it straight away? Probably not. In the long term, he might be a great buy. But I think, we, like I said previously, we need someone that is established and will make our defence better now as well as in the future. Yeah. He impressed me when we played Lille away in the Champions League. Yeah. He, me, yeah. He's quick across the ground and he reads the game well. But he did make a couple of errors in that game. Um, so I'm not so sure on him, to be honest. Yeah, it's the thing because Lampard's seen him in person and we all know he likes to see the players in person before committing. I mean, he technically hasn't seen Timo Werner in person, but I don't think we need anyone to go. It's a bit like going to scout when you read the reports that 
Liverpool have sent scouts to Kylian Mbappe. Do you need to send scouts to see Kylian Mbappe? You, you really don't. You know what yeah. you're going to get. You know, do you yeah. need to send a scout to see Timo Werner? Not really. You know he's going to be an absolute top-class talent. Yeah, I mean, Lille are always willing to sell for the right price. So this deal, it could happen with relatively little stress. You do have to ask yourself, is he a major upgrade on any of our current defenders? Because we need that major upgrade. You know, we want to be, you know, I've said before, controversial or not, this season's aim was always to get into the top six because of what had happened. Hazard, transfer ban, etc. We've been in the top four, so us kind of our opinions have skewed a bit. But next season, we need to be getting that title side ready. Simple as that. You know, if this was this time next year, I wouldn't be sitting here going top four. Yeah, yeah. no, we have to end of next season because we've had the windows. We've got we've got our team building. Um, he's a young lad. He's got he hasn't got that experience, of course, and. That's kind of the entire story of us, of Lampard's squad this season. He's not that blockbuster name, which Lampard might want, if that's his kind of pedigree. But he does have the potential to get to that level. Right. One final name I'm going to bring in. And I added this one. Oh, no, there's two more. But this one particular I'm going to bring in now. Declan Rice. You know, he was released by Chelsea at 14. He's gone to establish himself as a regular in the heart of midfield for club and country. And he... he, He's impressed us, hasn't he? I mean, West Ham's 3-2 victory over Chelsea. It's all right, Berth. We're not going to go into detail of the game. But we've been linked with a reunion with Rice since March. And the Athletic, great source. They're considering, they've said that Chelsea are looking at him as a direct solution to our defensive concern. So not a midfielder, bringing him into that centre-back role because he did start his career off as a centre-half. What, what do you think? Do you think Rice is that man to come back in and obviously start in the Blues Academy? Is he that man to be our leader in defence. You know what? I'll see a lot of people online on Twitter, Chelsea fans, that they slander Declan Rice so bad. So bad, and, I agree. And, and and I think as a centre defensive mid, he would not improve us. But I think as a centre back, he, he, like, he was a leader when he played him the other day. He was a true leader. Yeah, he was. Phenomenal. The way he reads the game, this is going to be a bad comparison. I'm going to get slated for it. But it is almost John Terry S, the way he reads the game. He's not the most mobile. He's not the quickest. But he's so strong. He's great in the air. He's good with the ball at his feet as well, just like John Terry was. And I think as a centre-back, not as a centre-defensive mid, as a centre-back, I think it could be phenomenal for us. I think yeah. it will take a bit of time. And I, I do think we need an established centre-back first. But I think it'd be a great buy if we can get Declan Rice as a centre-back. I'm with you, Berth. Um I think, to be honest, I think he's been a bit overhyped as a defensive midfielder. I mm. think it's that typical sort of English player. He's okay on the ball. Um, he's impressed me more recently, but still, I don't think as a defensive midfielder, I don't think that's where his future is. I think bringing him in as a centre-back could be really shrewd, actually. I, I, I agree with what Berth just said. I think he reads the game really well. I think he could be sort of like um, when we signed Gary Cahill, just sort of an old-fashioned English centre-half, willing to put his body on the line, gets those crucial blocks in, intercepts things before they become a danger. I yeah. think he could be really good but, business. Uh, but again, he's good with the ball at his feet. Like, he can play out from the back. He can play how Lampard wants to, like with the ball at his feet. So I, yeah. I think it would be a good bit of business. He's all round very, very strong. As a, as a centre-back, like, like Chris says, I agree with him. I think as a CDM, is question marks. Oh, there really is. But as a centre-back, I think it'd be brilliant. Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. I mean, his stats from the game against us, 
90% pass accuracy, 22 forward passes, 11 ball recoveries, five or five tackles won, three clearances. He was absolutely phenomenal. And I saw the reaction on social media. The, the tide changed. It turned. And people were all for him. Well, I mean, 50 million was talked about. I mean, as a centre-back, and he's got his Chelsea connections, I, I personally would be all for it. He's, he's got that aura about him that he could become a leader. He really could. And what better when you've had a former Chelsea Academy graduate? I mean, there was talk that apparently the Academy would feel a bit embarrassed that we link. Players leave academies. They want the first team. Jaden Sancho was left, left Man City to better himself. This week, you've had um, Jude Bellingham likely to leave Birmingham City for Dortmund. You know, not because of game time with that particular instance, but, you know, you do want to better yourself and improve. And at the time, Declan Rice, if you look at him, he was never going to get into that team, especially I think it was during the Mourinho years as well. So, you know, we all know about that. So, yeah, 100%. I'm I'm on this. I think Declan Rice should be our main target in defence. We will have to see on that. Final name on this list, uh, Ben White. You know, we should take it seriously because, you know, he's, he's contracted at Brighton, but he's coming out alone with Leeds. And he's been one of the most exciting stories of the championship season. You know, he's 22 and he's been absolutely fantastic for the Elsa side. And he will almost be certainly playing in the Premier League next season. But will it be for us, Brighton or Leeds? We'll have to see. I mean, Ben White, we'll go quickly on it because we're, we're going late into this episode. What, what do you think, Ben White? Yeah, I think great player, great young talent. I think the, if we do, were to get him, get him in and then loan him back out, get some experience and bring him back. He wouldn't improve our defence now, but again, another one for the future, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, good player. Uh, got potential. Wouldn't solve our problems at the minute, though. No, that's fair. That That is fair. You know, he's one of the best England have to offer in terms of youngsters. His appeal is clearly there to see. But yeah, I think it's such a huge risk because he will be stepping up from the championship. That is a huge risk, no matter what. I know you could say Mason Mount, Rhys James, Tammy Abraham, but it's still a risk. And it's a different, different beast the Premier League is. We all know that. You either sink or you swim. Simple as that. Um, wild cards, we'll touch on that. Anyone got a particular centre-back they want to shout out before we uh, we call this episode for the, the books? What do you I've think? got one. Um, not an obvious one, but I think fantastic player, fantastic experience. Would only be good for a year or two, but we'll provide... David well. Lewis? No, <laughs> thankfully no. Um, Thiago Silva? Yeah, yeah, I can see your point. I can see your point there. I mean, obviously it's not, again, It's that's more for the present... It's more sort of plastering over the cracks, you know, but it'll be good for the young players to have an experienced world-class centre-back next to them, I think. What are you thinking, Chris? Yeah, uh, I mean, the only report I said about Thiago Silva was he won 300 grand a week from whichever club he goes to next. Crazy money, isn't it? Which I, I wouldn't give him that, but if he was willing to take a paper and a big one, I would, I would, I'm with Beth, because my wild card's similar, really, so... Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned before Jan Vertonghen. I don't think he's signed a new deal yet, but, you know, why not get one off Spurs? But, yeah, it's such a it's such a difficult one to call because I see a point with Silva. It's just the, that price tag. That price tag is quite scary. By price tag, I mean the wages because, you know, PSG pay top wages, if you didn't already know, listeners. It's, it's one of them. But, yeah, he'd be a great experienced head. But the problem is because of his age and everything, he's not going to be there for long and we kind of need that long-term solution. And... But there is no outlay apart from wages, potential signing on fee. So it's certainly one to, to consider. I mean, yeah, we'll have to keep monitoring it, really. We'll go from there. No, none of you want David Luiz, though? I know he signed a new deal, but we could offer a few few million, couldn't we, to Arsenal? No? <laughs> no. no. Chris, who was your uh, card? Okay. Uh, Jerome Boateng. Uh, you know what I was thinking about him? 
Uh, yeah, I could see why they want rid of him though, and that always makes me worry why a team like Bayern Munich would want to get rid of a player. I've, That's I've always never, a worry. I've never been a big fan of Jerome Boateng, I must admit, but you know he's a physical presence, so it won't be the worst piece of business in the world if it's to get Jerome Boateng. Yeah, yeah, I think I really like Fakayo Tamori, and I think he's been a bit unlucky with the injuries he's had. So I think if we could go for someone shorter term, maybe a year or two, and allow Tamori to develop. I think Tamori then could step in and be our main centre-back. Yeah, it's a good show. It is a good show. Yeah, they're, they're fair. They're fair choices. You know, we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be very interesting. And we will be uh, keeping an eye on the transfer business, as we all, as you all will, listeners. Um, I think next week we're going to be looking at our goalkeeper situations. That's going to involve me swearing a lot because I am certainly not a Kepa fan. Uh, we, I would rather have Jamie coming in goal this weekend. You know what? Right. I'm, not, I'm not a Kepa fan, but I must say this. Any player that I say bad things about or like say, oh, they didn't have a good game, does not mean I hate them. I love no, Chelsea. No, no, of course I, not. I love, no. I love every single player that puts on that Chelsea shirt and I want Kepa to do well, but I will call him out if he has a bad game. And I'm sure everyone's the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's exactly that. So with that, I feel we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod. So where can our listeners find you guys on social media? Let's get them plugs in. Uh, on Twitter, I am at Chris Burford. And on Instagram, I am Burf94. Nice. Chris? Uh, Twitter, I'm at Chris09Adams. And Instagram, I'm ChrisAdams underscore zero nine. Very nice. You, you can find myself, listeners, on Twitter and Instagram as that redhead dude. And I had someone else message me today on my, Insta- on my Twitter actually saying, was I contracted to the Totally Football Show? Because they can almost guarantee when they turn their podcast uh, app on i've got a question being read out on there which is nice it's nice that my questions are actually read out they must be not total nonsense which is nice um but i did ask if wolves and man united could overtake chelsea and leicester for the top four so chelsea fans are going to be booing me for that but for all things at the bridge pod you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram by searching exactly that at the bridge pod so drop us a like and a follow to keep up to date with all things chelsea so till next time listeners that's us signing off For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play.